Welcome to another edition of the Seed Time Money Podcast. This is where we help you transform your financial life using timeless biblical principles. I'm your host, Bob Lodick, and I'm so glad to have you here today. All right, guys, Zig Ziglar has this quote where he says, money will not make you happy, but everyone wants to find out for themselves. (laughs) And I have found this to be so true. Today, I'm excited because we're talking with Daniel Fusco. He wrote this book called Crazy Happy, which is really fun. And we're going to talk about how to find real, authentic happiness and how to do this. This is something that everyone wants, of course. We all want to be happy. But I think there might be a tendency to feel like, I don't know, is it wrong to ask God for happiness? Is it wrong to do that? So we're going to dive into all this and ask him a whole bunch of questions. And just for anybody who doesn't know, he's an author, he's a pastor, he has his own radio and TV show. And best of all, this I found this to be really, really fun. His name, his last name, autocorrects to disco. So he's got that going for him. So with all that out of the way, Daniel, thanks for taking some time to chat with us today. I'm so blessed to be here with you, Bob, and, and all the listeners here. Yeah, well, I'm excited. And I want to dive right in because everybody wants to be happy. This is something we all want. And I love that you wrote this book and that you're really showing us how to do this and how to have authentic happiness, not this fake version that the world tries to offer us. But with all that out of the way, is it wrong to seek happiness? Yeah, I I think the answer to that question is absolutely, no, it's not wrong. As a pastor, I've been asked literally thousands of times, Pastor Daniel, doesn't God want me to be happy? And it always comes at a time when everything isn't working out. The things that they did to honor God maybe isn't bearing the fruit that they want it to bear. And they're just struggling. And it's kind of like, doesn't God want me to be happy? And then what's interesting is as a pastor, sometimes we hear pastors as they're responding and reacting to our culture, which is all about happiness seeking. They're like, no, God does not want you to seek after happiness. I'm like, (laughs) no, 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 no. God absolutely wants us to be happy, but God knows, and the Bible is full of this, that as humans, we have a tendency to look for happiness in all the places that God says, you can't find it there. And God says, there is areas and ways that I have designed for you to be happy. And all of us, because of the way our culture works, we're like, yeah, we're not going to try it that way. We're going to try it this other way. And then we wonder why we catch ourselves on this, what I like to call the hamster wheel of happiness seeking, where it's like, we go from one thing to the next thing. And ultimately we find ourselves broken, sad, less happy than we were before. And then we come back to, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? So I always, that's why the book's called crazy happy. It's not that I want everyone to be like Ren and Stimpy, like happy, happy, joy, joy. (laughs) The idea is that God's plans for our happiness is found in crazy places. So the subtitle is nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life. So we, we dig into what does Jesus say about happiness? What does the Bible teach about happiness? And then how do we get at it and, mm-hmm. and seek to explore, like God says, my happiness is found in places that I wouldn't choose left up to my own devices. And you know this as well as I do that we all, like I mentioned that Zig Ziglar quote, we all think that money is going to make us happy. And then the, those of us who finally start to get a little bit, a little bit more than we need, we realize, wait a minute, that's that didn't do it. Maybe I'll try to get more. No, that still didn't do it. No, and there's there's no limit. And Rockefeller has this famous quote after he was a billionaire at the time, I believe. And he said, it was reportedly asked by a reporter, well, how much do you need? And he said, just a little bit more. As Proverbs says, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Money is never gonna get us to that point where we're satisfied. So Can you talk a little bit more about that from your vantage point in all the studying you did for this book? Yeah. So I like to say that God's definition of the happy person is the blessed person because Mm -hmm. modern translations, you think of the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter five, verses uh, three to 12, blessed are these different types of people. 
modern translations rightfully translated, oh, how happy are these people? So the yep. blessed person is the happy person. Now, when we're talking about specifically money, everybody is trying to get happy with money. They'll be happy if they have a little bit more. They're like, yeah, man, I'll be happy when I get that promotion because I have a little more money. Yeah. But they're like, hey, but actually the extra money is going to be offset by more stress. And now all of a sudden you have a kind of a, the law of diminishing returns that go on. And then yeah. you think of something that the apostle Paul quoted Jesus as saying, which is that you are more blessed to give than receive. Now, right there, mm-hmm. you have like, our world says, Rockefeller said it, Zig Ziglar said it, lots of people said, it, man, listen, if you have more money, you'll be happy. And then Jesus is like, actually, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much you mm-hmm. receive, the happy person is the person who gives. So right away, Jesus takes this idea of accumulation and turns it on its head and said, actually, you really want to be happy. Generosity is the key. And he lived it and embodied it by giving his own life for the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, seated down at the right hand of the father. And in the same way, he's inviting us, listen, you want to be happy. I want you to give. I want you to bless. Yep. I want you to see your resources, not as you can get by a bigger house, you can buy a nicer car, you can do all these things, but really money's an outlet of spiritual power. That's what I like to tell people. And when yeah, we use good. that spiritual power for the building of God's kingdom for the glorification of God and the blessing of other people, that is way more fulfilling than just getting a bigger box to stick stuff in. Yeah, that's good. What, you know, so you're a pastor, you talk to people all the time about this. What's the number one thing that you think people just completely get wrong about happiness and how to achieve it? I think the, the number one thing that everyone gets wrong, and I can say this because like I've lived this. So, yeah. so I, I have a PhD and experience of this is that I think we have a tendency to think that happiness is external things. Mm. right? It's a change in circumstance, whether it's things are rough right now, but when things get better, then I'll be happy. Or when I get out of school, when I get a better job, when I change careers, when my kids get out of the house, I don't have to pay for college anymore or whatever those details are. We have a tendency to think it's external. And one of the keys that I, I talk about in the book is that really happiness is an inside job. It's something that comes from our identity in Jesus. And then it overflows into the externals. And that's why the Bible can say such crazy things like count it all joy when you fall into various trials, or I rejoice in my sufferings. Like you read this stuff and I read this stuff. (laughs) Anyone who reads the Bible and you're like, wait, I've never done that. But what you realize is that Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail in the book of Acts, they're in stocks. It's the most uncomfortable environment you can imagine. And they're praising God. And you're just kind of like, what's up with this? It's like, oh, because happiness is, it's an inside job. It's rooted in like happiness is the emotion that comes from a heart that is contented, a heart that senses and realizes that God is God, that God is doing a good work. The big mistake we make is always tying happiness to the external things. And our culture really promotes that for us because our culture wants us to buy their stuff. And hey, if if you get this special wrinkle cream, you won't age as fast as you think you would. That'll make you happy. And it's like, no, no, if you're not happy wrinkly, then you're not going to be happy, not as wrinkly as you could be. As always, the Bible wants to reframe our perspective. That's so good. All right. So I want to hear a little bit about your story, your journey. You mentioned that you have all this experience in discovering this. So how did you get into this whole idea of studying happiness and writing this book and what led you to this point? So for me, a lot of it is boiled down to, I I didn't grow up in the church at all. And so I grew up Mm -hmm. in a culturally Catholic family. I'm all Italian from New Jersey. So we would go to church and I had a, I got a cross at and my first communion, but I never really, we never really talked about God. We never talked about God's like plan, what a godly person was. It was a cultural piece of my life, but not like something that we ever thought about. And mm-hmm. so growing up by the time I was in my teenage years, I was trying to find happiness the way everybody was. 
it's like, well, if I'm good at baseball and if the girls like me and if I get to college and we start partying, I go, this is fun. And because I didn't know Jesus, it was like, I just tried everything. And I ultimately realized that like, yeah, people just inherently want to be happy. And I, I yeah. found my way into like hedonism. If it, if it makes me feel good, I like it. But I also found in hedonism that it only felt good for a little moment. I know the Bible teaches that sin is pleasurable for a season. And, and so like, I experienced that, like, oh, this is really fun. And then it's like, no, this is not fun at all. Like this is miserable. And so yeah. In all that, then when Jesus came into my life, as he revealed himself to me at the end of college, very quickly, I realized that Jesus was offering like an alternative way to, yeah. to be human. And then you start reading that we could rejoice always. And you're like, okay, so how do you do that? And yeah. so for me, it became a, a journey of what does it look like to live a life that is truly fulfilled, that is satisfied. Now I'm a musician and I remember growing up as a bass player and learning the Rolling Stones satisfaction where mm -hmm. that great English theologian Mick Jagger is like, I can't get no <laughs> satisfaction. And I'm like, I've experienced that. But then Jesus yeah. starts talking about amazing things like in the Beatitudes, another one of those surprising places happiness is found where he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. So it's not yeah. that you will be satisfied when you pursue whatever you're hungering and thirsting for, because we all have those hungers and those desires, but it's when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. So there's a specific area that if you pursue, it will actually lead to satisfaction. And so for me, it became like, what does it look like? Because if I have one shot at life on this side of eternity, there's nothing wrong with saying, I want this to be as happy as possible. I mean, if someone were to say, listen, all I want to do is be unhappy every day. We'd say, hey, hold on a second. Like <laughs> there's something better for you than this. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. so what you begin to realize is that God's plan for happiness is something that he is inviting us into. And we have to figure out in accordance with who Jesus is and where the spirit is leading to be for us to be more like Jesus and what the Bible teaches and say, now, what does it look like to put feet on this and begin to walk this out? And so for me, it's just, it's a journey. Like I woke up today and I'm like, okay. What's today going to be? Lord, at the very least, I, I want it to be joyful. And so what does it look like to be joyful in the craziness of kids and marriage and work and, and all these different things? And so for me, I wrote the book mostly because I'm on that journey. And Jesus said he's come that we might have life and life more abundantly. Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, so the abundant life, that kind of sounds awesome. Like I'll do that. And then I started thinking about it from a more kind of an outreach standpoint. I'm also aware that uh, grumpy followers of Jesus are terrible missionaries. Like <laughs> nobody's like, man, that person believes in Jesus. They're so angry and grumpy. I totally want to know about Jesus from them. It said nobody ever. Exactly. And so like, you just exactly. realize that when someone has that internal satisfaction, that happiness that comes from their identity in Jesus, there is something extraordinarily attractive about that in the midst of a world where everyone's trying to find happiness, but no one's really finding it. And that's completely true. I also grew up as Catholic, not very serious in my faith at all, basically an agnostic Catholic combination, whatever that is. And I, I remember the first couple of times I met real wide awake Christians who had what you're talking about, just this vibrant relationship with Jesus. And they were just completely different than my world. And it was really attractive. So like, I completely get that. To your point earlier, like, I think we all know this, God's way of doing things is counter to the world's. And it's by going that opposite direction, that counter-cultural approach that Jesus points us to in almost every area. That's the thing that ultimately leads back to some of those most satisfying things. And I look at some of my biggest steps of faith that God has led me and my wife, Linda, on that were just really scary and looked like they were not going to be beneficial for us and weren't going to lead to happiness, but ultimately 
led to the most joy that we've ever had in our lives through those things. It was the opposite of chasing happiness. You know what I mean? It was chasing Jesus, which led to happiness, right? Am I, am I seeing that the right way? Bob, you are preaching it. Like it's perfect. Cause in a lot of ways, I think that's what we do is we say, this is where happiness is found. I'm going to go for it. Jesus is saying, Hey, actually I want you to follow me and I'm going to lead you into something that is what real happiness is. And we're like, Jesus, we believe that you're our savior, but we don't really think you're very smart in this. So we're going to do it our own way. And then at some point you say, wait a second, I got this thing all backwards. And then you come back because our pursuits into happiness, apart from simply responding to Jesus, following him by faith, they they don't land because it's really yeah. the world's way of fleeting happiness, which isn't happiness at all. And really that idea that I like to tell people that happiness is on the other side of holiness. Mm-hmm. And and that's totally true. Or happiness is on the other side of humility, which nobody says. Like you want to be happy, you should be <laughs> humble. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so pride is what keeps us from happiness. You have all of these realities. And, and when you let Jesus define what happiness really is, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, the things that I thought happiness was actually it's a whole different set of things. And that's why I call it being, it's crazy happy. It makes no sense in the natural, but it makes absolute sense in light of who Jesus is, what he's done, what the Bible teaches. And it's like, Hey, we're going to follow Jesus and it's going to make no sense to everybody. But Jesus told us this is the way that it is. What I have found is when people take those steps, like you're talking about, all of a sudden people are like, I have so much happiness in this. This was crazy. This was not supposed to be something that evoked such joy in my heart, but I have it. And that's how it really works. Yeah. I love that. So one last thing I want to talk a little bit about, and we talked about this a little bit in terms of not being a grumpy Christian and what that looks like in terms of yeah being a bad evangelist as a grumpy Christian, but how else does this point people to Jesus when we are just living that abundant life? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, that we're supposed to be salt and light, right? It's a classic mm-hmm. phrase and salt doesn't need to be seasoned in a salt shaker, but the salt is for the meat. And then when the salt makes it on the meat, the meat really takes on its flavor. The, yeah, the light bulb doesn't need the light, but the room does. So yeah. what I believe is that as we follow Jesus and as we trust Jesus, as we take these steps of faith and as we live our lives as Jesus lived his life, because the spirit of God is now el- enlivening this this resurrected life of Jesus in us. Now, all of a sudden, in every area of our life, there is this salt that is being produced that for people who are adjacent to our lives, maybe they're coworkers or family members or neighbors, they might not believe what we believe, but they're watching it and they're getting a little thirsty. You know how it is when you eat a bunch of pretzels, right? You need to get something to drink at some point. All (laughs) that salt creates some thirst and they're watching and they're like, I want what they have. And whether it's uh, overt evangelism where you were like literally sharing our faith. But what I've found is that when somebody is happy in Jesus and they're experiencing this, people just come and ask, what is going on with you? Like I remember before I went into the ministry, I was playing music professionally. God was doing such a profound work in my life that people would come up to me at set breaks and say, you might be the happiest person I've ever met. I don't even know what to do with the joy. What is it? And I'm like, well, I can promise you it's not my bass playing. And then we start talking about it and they'd be like, oh, come on. It can't be Jesus. I'm like, no, no, seriously. Jesus is doing something in me. I'm amazed by it. And it has nothing to do with me. It's simply that I'm trusting him every day. And I don't get it right any day, but Jesus is doing this work. And I would give out these little gospels of John. I'd have them in my cable bag. I'd be giving them out to people. Like, you should read this. And and people be like, hey, I read the gospel of John. And where do you go to church? And I'm just like, hey, you should come with me. 
I wasn't trying to do anything, but we live in a world where everyone wants happiness, but it's so hard. Like who's truly happy in your sphere of friendship? And most people don't know anyone who's really, really happy. And so you stick out like a sore thumb then, like a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden in that passage of the salt and light. But Jesus, when he gave that sermon on the Mount, he was up in, in, in the Northern part of the sea of Galilee in, in the city of Capernaum. And the city of Safad was behind Jesus on the hillside. If you were to go to Israel today and go to Capernaum, you could see the city of Safad on the hill. And when Jesus said, a city set on a hill can't be hidden, I'm sure he pointed to Safad. It was there in that day. And it's like, look, you can't hide that city. It's on the hill. Everyone sees it. And I think that the person who is crazy happy in Jesus, who's experiencing these things, you can't hide them. They stick out because they're as bright as day. I just want to ask a random question. All right. So you're a jazz musician, jazz bass player. Share a few of your top favorite jazz albums. Oh, for so, us. Um, all of them. I like all of Whatever, them. Whatever, anything you want. Yeah. Just throw some out there. Just so, I, so I'm curious. Me, I want to look them John up. Coltrane's A Love Supreme is the album for me. The very first book that I had written about Jesus and our messy lives. I used the John Coltrane A Love Supreme as the framework for the entire book. And so no, really. that album is a classic album. To me, it's just extraordinary. But I, I just love music. My love of jazz is like, I have the same love for funk music or rock music or worship music or classical music. To me, I just think God gave us the ability to hear sounds. And maybe it's also because I'm a pastor. So I talk and I write and all these things. That nonverbal stuff is really special to me because yeah. I do so much verbalizing. Yeah, that's fun. All right. Well, where can people find the book and get connected with you? Yeah. So if you're looking for uh, my book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, wherever you like to buy books, on my website, danielfusco.com. And if you're on the social media uh, platforms, just put my name in there. You'll find we have all different content going on on all the different platforms. But really, wherever you like to buy books, if you just go in, if you're doing it online or in an in-person store, I'm pretty sure that they're going to have it. It's everywhere. I'm super excited about it. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat. Really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll chat again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I hope you found this helpful. We had a good time having this conversation and it was beneficial for me to have this conversation. And yeah, I'd just love to hear what your thoughts are on all that. And also, if you have any other suggestions for podcasts that you would like to hear, let me know over on Twitter or reach out to me over on the website, ctime.com. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and I'll see you next time.